A bit of an update before we get into this week's episode. This will be the last new episode of the season because I am nine months pregnant and expecting a baby any day now. So I'll be taking a bit of time off to focus on family this winter. But if you're not, I will be back with a new season and some really great interviews come springtime. So do stay tuned for that. If you'd like some updates as to when that will be, you can sign up for the Violin Class mailing list at violinclass.co. And if not, just make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you listen so that you get notified as to when the next new episodes will come out. Huge thank you to all of you for listening, for your kind messages, and for supporting the show. It's been a really wonderful season of podcasting, and hearing from listeners is really what makes everything worth it. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. Have you ever wondered why your bow is bouncing, even though you desperately want it to be not bouncing? or why you're sounding nasally, or slidey, or scratchy, or an unfortunate combination of all of the above. Any of these thoughts have crossed your mind and you've wondered what you can be doing about it, then listen on, my friend, this episode is for you. This is part two of two of troubleshooting unpleasant sounds that come from your violin. In this episode, we are going to look at One of the first things that I want my private violin students to learn how to do, and that is how to diagnose these errors on your own, errors that make you sound off, and then have the tools to fix them. Last week, we covered what could be off with your instrument, but let's face it, most of the time it is user error. Violin is, as you know, one of the most beautiful instruments, but there are many questionable sounds that a violin can make. And I think that's what makes it one of the most challenging instruments. An instrument like piano is, of course, very, very difficult to play at a professional level, but there's just a limit to how bad it can sound compared to the violin. You don't have to worry about intonation. The tone is okay. Even a small child can make a non-offensive sound right away on the piano. But if you are the parent of a small child, violinist, you've surely experienced many questionable sounds of the violin repeatedly for several years until your little one gets the hang of tone production. If you're new, these noises and squeaks can be very frustrating and even a little bit overwhelming as you try to fix them, but you're not really sure how. As someone who used to teach three-year-olds how to play the violin, there is literally no sound that you can make that could shock me at this point. But if it's not something you're used to hearing on a daily basis, it can be a lot. But before we get into the nitty gritty, hello and welcome to Violin Class, the podcast for people who are learning the violin as an adult. My name is Julia. I'm a professional violinist and violin teacher, and I'm here to share my tips and experience to make learning the violin a little bit easier. If you find this podcast helpful, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps me to reach new listeners. I've read some very kind reviews recently, and those certainly give me the motivation to keep on making episodes. So thank you very much to those of you who have left one recently. And lastly, if you want to get in touch, you can do so by writing to me directly at violentclasspod at gmail.com or through my website, violinclass.co. I love to hear from listeners, to hear where you guys are at on your violin journey. That helps me to know 
what type of episodes I should be making. Uh, If you have any suggestions for a future episode or basically just want to get in touch, that's where you can reach me, violinclasspod at gmail.com. Without further ado, let's get back into the episode. So a word of warning, I've included plenty of demonstrations in this video and they are demonstrations of mistakes that violinists make and I did not hold back. I tried to harness my most active, angry, beginner, three-year-old violinist. So you've been warned, make sure you have your volume adjustment button nearby because nothing I play in this episode is nice. Different technical errors will produce different types of icky sounds. So if you listen closely, you'll be able to hear the difference and then you'll be able to correct it. I'm going to play examples of all of these throughout the episode so that you can go back and reference them in your own practice if you're not sure. Most of these solutions are not really quick fixes because in violin there are not a ton of quick fixes, but don't let that discourage you. Every little change that you make is progress and that progress really does add up over the hours and hours and months and years that you spend on the violin. It's all part of the process, and all you should be trying to do at any point is get 1% better, just take the next step forward, and that will add up over time. The first thing I want to talk about is constructive listening. This is one of the most important skills that you can develop as a violinist. Most of the time, and myself included, we'll play something and then just rate it as good or bad. (laughs) In violin, like in many things, it's very unproductive to look at things in such a black and white way, because saying that something sounds bad doesn't give you any information on what you need to do to improve it. It's a really important mindset shift because constantly telling yourself that you sound bad is going to make you feel bad about yourself and cause frustration, which is the type of thing that can lead people to quit. So instead of rating something as sounding bad or as good, you want to think about specifics. What exactly is off here? And it can be multiple things. So to do a little exercise, I'm going to play a short passage for you, first properly, and then with some common beginner problems. And now for my problem example, this is a warning to turn down your volume. Three, two, one. I tried to exaggerate everything so you could really hear some of those uh, problems very clearly. And I'm actually going to play that again because you were probably just thinking, wow, that sounds not good instead of what sounds not good. So let's listen to it again. Think about what the bow might be doing. Think about the intonation, sound quality, any little extraneous notes that you hear. Here it goes again. Three, two, one. So here are some of the main problems that I tried to bring out in that example. And this is stuff that I hear every day, although luckily not quite combined in that lovely way. 
First of all, the intonation is a little bit off. And it's not like so off that it's glaring, but everything is a little bit flat. The other thing, the big one that you're really hearing that is really kind of like nails on the chalkboard sound is that the bow is not straight and I'm playing too close to the frog and I'm pressing a little bit too hard as well. All three of those things combined give that like nasally scratchy sound. And then there's another little thing uh, when I'm changing the strings, going from the A string to the D string, you hear a little extra note in there, a little extra A note. And that's a coordination problem. The left and right hand aren't quite coordinated. I'm lifting my finger before my bow stops moving. So hopefully you got some of those things when you listened to the example. The tricky thing about this is that oftentimes, like what I just played here, there are a few things going on that are wrong at once. We need to unravel the layers a little bit to separate them out and look at them each individually. To gain a better understanding of all of these elements, let's look at some of these common issues one by one. I'll be playing examples of each of the sounds and we'll look at what causes them and what you can do to fix them. And just a warning, none of these sounds are particularly pleasant, so you may want to have your volume adjusting button nearby. I'm going to play each example and then I'll talk about what I did wrong. So when you're listening, see if you can take a guess as to what the common mistake is. Here goes example number one. So the issue there is that the bow isn't playing straight. This is one of the biggest hurdles in learning the violin, figuring out how to play with a straight bow, and it is a very, very, very common beginner problem, and honestly a not beginner problem. And it's something that you may be refining for a few years. If the bow isn't quite straight, it's going to slide around and give you a few different sounds. In the example, my bow is pulling slightly diagonally, which causes it to slide down towards the bridge. The bridge zone produces this type of overtone sound, like a kind of creepy whistle. That's actually a specific technique called ponticello, and we do it intentionally sometimes. But here is an example of it a little bit less intentionally. So this is my kind of beginner ponticello. We'll be right back after this quick break. The Violin Class Podcast is brought to you by my very own private violin studio. If you want to bring your violin playing to the next level, if you find that you're stuck on a certain technique or a piece, you're having trouble making progress, I would love to help you work through whatever challenges that you're working right now on violin. So if you're looking for a violin teacher to help guide you in your progress, or if you're self-teaching, and looking for a one-time lesson to check in and work together to make a plan for your violin playing going forward, I would love to work with you. I've been teaching violin online to adult amateurs of all levels for over a decade, so if you are interested, you can reach out to me at violinclasspod at gmail.com or through my website at violinclass.co slash contact. And yes, beginners are always welcome. On that note, let's get right back into the episode. So believe it or not, we do this on purpose sometimes, especially in contemporary music or 
in uh, some sort of sometimes uh, usually in orchestral contexts although I have played a solo piece that had a lot of this and it gives that kind of creepy effect like haunted house sound um, and it can be really cool if done properly but if you're doing it accidentally because your bow is kind of sliding down towards the bridge you get this kind of squeaky unpleasantness that uh, you just heard maybe you recognize that in your own playing sometimes instead of pulling diagonally, your bow is going to pull in a curved shape, which makes it slide slightly in towards you instead of perpendicular to the string. Instead of sliding in one direction, such as towards the bridge or the fingerboard, your bow is going to slip and slide back and forth, which can put a little bit of dirt and air into the sound. So here's an example of that. As you get into advanced sound production after a few years of studying violin, we'll actually learn how to pull the bow slightly diagonally intentionally for specific effects and tone production. This is called sound points or sounding points. But first you need to develop the skill to play with a very, very straight bow and get really good at that. The way to fix bow direction problems is by playing really slowly and watching your bow. And One of my biggest tips for doing this is playing in front of a mirror, because if you look down at the string, it's going to look like you're playing straight when actually you're pulling at an angle and you'll get that diagonal sound most likely, but maybe also the curved sound. The other one is, as I said, constructive listening, being able to identify exactly what you're doing with the bow. And both of those combined with a bit of patient, slow bow work is going to help. So You want to go back to basics to work on this. You're going to play some open strings, maybe some simple scales in front of a mirror, pulling really slowly and adjusting as you go. The details of how to fix this completely are really going to be beyond the scope of this episode because everyone plays in a different way and that's something that you should work on with a teacher. The important thing is to go really slowly and to pay very close attention. If you like any of this in written form, because this is a very dense episode, I recommend that you sign up for the Violin Class newsletter. And you can find that on my website. It is free. I send it with every new episode at violinclass.co slash newsletter. And I've had a couple questions about this because some people have tried to sign up and aren't getting emails. You do have to confirm your email. So check your junk or your trash or whatever, um, your spam messages, and make sure that uh, it's like a two-click confirmation system. That way you can come back and reference things after listening to the podcast and pay attention to those while you're practicing. Here's the next issue that's really common, and this one tends to stick around way past the beginner phase. This is something that every single violinist will struggle with at some point at different phases in their violin journeys. It may be much more offensive in your early days, but I was noticing some unwelcome bow bouncing even in college. I think it's one of the first issues that come back to me if I haven't practiced in a while. In this example, I tried to really exaggerate it so you can hear it, but it's definitely something that I'll notice if I'm out of shape comes back just slightly, usually in the middle of the bow. That's really not to discourage you if it's something that you're struggling with. 
Rest assured, it's something that so many people are working on and it can be fixed. The cause of bow bouncing issues can all be boiled down to two reasons, which is tension and bow hold. They're actually one and the same if we break it down. What you need to understand about the bow is that it's actually designed to be bouncy. It's a property that you'll use a ton as you advance in your technique and get into spiccato, ricochet, and other fun showy bow strokes. But if you're gripping the bow with too much tension, the rigidity of your hand will cause these little micro bounces as you pull across the string. And oftentimes the cause of gripping bow with too much tension is improper right hand technique. <laughs> Fun, right? So as I said, it's not a, necessarily a quick fix and it's really something that you can fix only with a teacher. And we're constantly refining this but if you're serious about getting your bouncing to go away, you need to go back to the basics, look at the roll of each finger in your right hand, where it's placed, how it moves, and learn how to relax it. There are a lot of subtle things in that, such as where in the bow you start, your momentum, the weight distribution, but all of those things are really symptoms, I think, of your bow hold and your general tension in your body in not just the right hand, but the right arm, and also the left arm as well. As a beginner, you might hear this kind of bouncing all over, kind of like in the example I played, and as you get more advanced, you'll notice it just in specific spots. As I said, if I'm not in real good shape, I'll hear some bouncing about an inch or two towards the middle of my bow, and it'll show up in bow direction changes as well. And if I'm getting this, it's my reminder to slow down and to practice slow, long bows. It generally means that I am too tense in those places, like I'm, I'm moving from my big muscles and my fingers are tense and I'm not relaxing into my bow changes. What can you do about this? First, you need to re-examine your right hand technique. This is never a set and forget. I was chatting with a friend of mine the other day who's a doctoral candidate in violin performance. So that means she has her, you know, first 15 years of violin playing, then a bachelor's degree in violin performance, a master's degree in violin performance, and now is doing her doctorate degree in violin performance. And she was saying she's still adjusting her right hand technique and working on it with her teacher. So that just goes to show it's something that is always being improved slightly. And again, this should be guided by a teacher because there's just so many details and you just can't know those on your own. Second, you should practice very slow, long tones with the bow. So that means putting your metronome at 50 and playing whole notes or even longer, first on open strings. Long, slow bows are going to help your arm to learn how to relax and settle into the string. You always want to do this in front of a mirror and then focus on your breathing as you're playing. If you do this every single day for a few weeks, you will hear progress. Your arm's going to release and relax, especially if you're focusing on your breathing, releasing your shoulders, and generally just feeling less tension in your body. I do have a quick fix for you, though, uh, especially for beginners, and that's something that I played, again, in that example. If you heard that my very first attack had some bouncing in it. So the very first notes that I played when I put the bow on the string, there was bouncing. And that's because I started from above the string. And remember, the bow has bouncy properties. So if you think of a tennis ball, if you kind of drop this on the floor from a certain height, it's going to keep on bouncing. And the bow does the same. If you want it to roll, you need to start the tennis ball on the floor and then roll it. 
And the same thing with the bow. So if you want to avoid that bouncing, make sure that you're starting every single note from the bow. Again, this is not something that you necessarily need to do forever or actually want to do forever. There's lots of occasions where we want to bounce or we want to play without a bouncing bow starting from above the string. But if you're a beginner, this is generally going to be a really helpful tip for you, making sure you're always playing from the string. Playing slowly, relaxing, start from the string. These are all things that you can do to work on improving your unintentional bouncing of the bow. So let's look at another classic beginner mistake. So this issue is you're pressing too hard. As you heard in my example, you can sometimes get this really compressed sound when you're playing a little bit too heavy-handed on the bow. And that squawk you hear is called a break or a crack in the sound, and it happens most often at the frog or at the lower half. The reason for this is that the weight of the bow is unevenly distributed. The frog is heavier than at the tip, so if you're pressing too hard, It might be okay, like you might get away with it at the tip, but once you get to the frog, that extra weight is gonna sound, is gonna cause the sound to crack. And to give you a simple analogy, we can imagine a tightrope. If you have just a rope between two trees, a little mouse is gonna be able to run across that, no problem. But if you have something heavier, let's say an elephant, that rope is going to break and crack and the elephant's gonna fall. And that's exactly what's happening to the sound when you have too much weight. So you wanna stay relaxed again. If you're noticing all of these have tension as their cause and pay attention to also which string and which note this is happening because generally it's not every single part of every single note. It can be, but the most likely culprit is the E string. That E string is the thinnest, so it needs the least amount of pressure to crack. And again, if you think of the tightrope analogy, If you have a really, really thin one, it's going to take less weight of a smaller animal versus having a thicker, stronger rope might be able to accept something heavier. So, you know, if you're starting out, you've definitely heard this type of of sound, and I think it's important to be able to identify whether it's an issue with your left hand or your right hand or a combination of both. How to work on intonation is going to be outside of the scope of this short podcast episode. I have a very, very long one that um, I've been working on putting together. But again, that one is not going to see the light of day for a little while till after the baby comes. So um, be sure to stay tuned. It will come out eventually. I've started working on it and it'll give you pretty much a guide of all of the different ways that you can start working on intonation. So again, this was a pretty dense episode. Uh in, in, uh, let me give you a bit of a summary of all the things that can go wrong with, especially the bow in this one. You didn't focus so much on the left hand, um, but typically that's that's how it goes. A lot of things that sound off are actually right hand mistakes, um, other than, than intonation, of course, and intonation is just a, a lifelong journey. We're always, always working on those. So uh, in summary, make sure that you're checking to see, is your bow bouncing? Is it straight? Are you playing too fast? Are you playing too hard? Are you playing not hard enough? And are you out of tune? In conclusion, the better that you get at identifying these problems by ear, the better a violinist you will be. And you're going to have a lot more fun because instead of judging your sound and just kind of playing things, listening and being like, wow, that sounded 
just terrible, um, you're, you're going to be problem solving and then it becomes more of, you know, putting together pieces of a puzzle and it's going to be more rewarding generally. In my studio, I host something called studio class where I meet my students in a group class every month or so. And everyone plays for each other and then gives feedback and then gets feedback as well. In my opinion, the giving of feedback is every bit as important and valuable for the student as getting feedback because it makes you kind of put on your teacher hat for a second. If you can listen to someone's playing with someone else's issues and then recognize what those are and then be able to clearly communicate the problem and the solution, you're going to be able to do that for yourself. So that's something that I think everyone can really practice doing. You have to imagine that you're a doctor and that your job is to read the symptoms, listening to what sound that you're producing, and then diagnose the cause. Only then can you assign yourself a treatment plan. And that's what I do all day as a violin teacher. But my number one job at the end of the day, and what I'm kind of working towards, is to help my violin students figure out how to do that by themselves in their practice. We only see each other so much, after all. At the end of the day, you're the one who's in the practice room and listening to yourself day in, day out. So again, the more you can work on these skills, these listening skills, the better your playing is going to get. I hope that this was a practical episode, especially for you beginners out there going into the holiday season. I know that um, generally people have a little bit more time for hobbies and such during that period. So, So again, thank you so much for listening to this past season of Violin Class, and I will catch you guys all with a new season of fresh episodes in a few months in the springtime. If you enjoy the show, if you find this helpful, please take a minute to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to. That really does help new people to find the show. Thank you for listening and I will catch you at the next one.